Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast family. I thought you meant the things you need. What's happening, everybody? It is uh, betting breakfast heading into the new year. Peter Dewey doing double duty. So double Dewey this week, I suppose. <laughs> it's good to see you, pal. Uh, happy early new year to you. We got plenty coming up on the show today. We will go over our pro-am picks, uh, which is a very ideal time, Peter, because I feel like this is the last opportunity uh, for us to really take advantage of it, knowing that college football uh, is on its way out. Got the national championship semifinals coming up on Friday. Uh, New Year's Day bowl games as well. So we'll dive into some of our favorite plays on both the college slate as well as the NFL. We'll also do our best bets. Normally we reserve them just for the one day, uh, but I decided to to cheat the rules a little bit and uh, move on towards uh, games that you can either do today or Friday or Saturday because we're not doing <laughs> another podcast until monday but first of all it's good to see you it's good to see a a smile on your face because i know for about three and a half quarters last night um your new york knicks were in turmoil they were down big to the detroit pistons and finally your guy tom thibodeau made the adjustment that he needed and i'm curious first of all just take me through your roller coaster of emotions over the process of last night because it's going to lead into something that i want to bring up in just a little bit yeah so i mean i put the uh the Knicks. Six minus six, I believe it was um, yesterday. I was feeling very confident about it too because they beat the Timberwolves the day before, and it was an ugly game, and they still covered. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling good with where we're at. Knicks were up seven at halftime, and they really weren't shooting that well. And like, you look at the Pistons last night; they had no Kate Cunningham, no Isaiah Stewart, no Jeremy Grant. They had like the only guy who normally is a key contributor for them. Those two, the two guys were Hami Diallo and Sadiq Bey, who both had fantastic games, by the way. But anyway. Got into halftime. I was like, okay, we're feeling good. And then the Knicks opened the third quarter. The first nine minutes, they shot one for 15, scored four points, and were down 66-52. And then Tibbs finally called the timeout and went to the bench, and they closed the game on a 42-19 run. And I, I, You messaged me on Twitter, and I went from like, hey, I'm like ready. I to check in on you. I was like, yeah. I'm worried about our guy here because you you're going through it. Yeah, I was ready to like not bet on the Knicks ever again. I was like, you got to be kidding me right now. And it's not even from like just from the fan standpoint, because as it is, like I live and die by that team. So like I am already frustrated that we might lose a game to the worst team in the NBA without their two best players. And then for them to just like they came back and won and it was great. And like it was Alec Burks was fantastic in the fourth quarter, but it just the whole game. It just felt like, how are we even in this situation against this team? It's I. I want to take our, our viewers and our listeners a little behind uh, inside radio right now. I want to go through our, our guy Peter's timeline from last <laughs> night. Uh, 12 hours ago, this is the most pathetic quarter the Knicks have played all season. 
quote tweeted that the Knicks have four points in nine minutes this quarter. They are one of 15 from the field. This team sucks right now. Then a little bit later down, the Knicks were down 66 to 52 with 316 left in the third. Tibbs finally went to the bench and the Knicks go on a 25 or 21 to five run and lead 73 71. Followed by a couple of retweets of Alec Burke can't miss. He puts up 34. <laughs> the bench does it again. And here we are back where we once started from as the Knicks ended up covering. So your, your best bet, by the way, uh, ended up hitting on that. Mine did not. I t- took the under on Javante Green for points at seven and a half. Uh, you've gone over that number, I think, maybe once or twice all season long. Uh, and they were the Bulls were finally getting some of their guys back. But, you know, of course, he goes off for 14 and the Bulls continue to win. Uh, so he, one he of those missed a shot to close. start the game, Ben. It was crazy. I was following that one for you. He made like his first five shots. I was like, "What? what where did this come from? It's I don't crazy. know. He takes like five shots over the course of an entire game most of the time. So uh, that was not one that uh, that was one that I probably like to have back. But I'm also curious to, to hear from you because you wrote at the beginning of your best bets article that one of your New Year's resolutions was going to be not betting on the Knicks. But then here they are. They've won two in a row for you. Is that a New Year's resolution that you're actually going to look and take into 2022? Or do you actually have anything else on the docket? It's it's uh, That one, I'm definitely considering it. I hate betting on teams that I, I root for because it just makes it so much more frustrating. Like, it is very I, frustrating. I can't do it. Yeah. I, I Like, there's – I mean, you will never get me mad that the Knicks won a game and didn't cover. I do not care. If they win, I will be happy. Like, that's, that's the way it goes. But – I also have found myself at times this year, like in games that they've lost, especially where I'm like, can we at least cover if I bet on them? And so I, um, that's something I'm, I'm definitely considering. But the other thing I'm also considering is I think for the rest of the NFL season and going into the NFL playoffs, uh, I am almost a hundred percent sure I am fading any team in the AFC North because every time I bet on a team in the AFC North this year, they, they kill me. I bet against the Bengals and the Broncos. Then they they cover against the Broncos. Then I bet for, with somebody and they lose. I I picked up Steelers in my upset pick this week, but they're facing another AFC North team, so we'll see. But yeah, that that one that division has killed me this year. They've been really really tough to try and figure out. And just when you finally feel like they're they're going on a run, uh, I, I I think I've written maybe three or four different times like this is the week somebody puts the Cleveland Browns out of their misery. And instead, they're just putting me through more misery by watching them continue to hang around despite not deserving it at all. Um, and, and by the way, you and I both agree over at Betside that the Steelers are live this week. Oh, yeah. Three-point underdogs at home. Um, we've talked about Mike Tomlin, I think, being 67% uh, covering the spread as, uh, as uh, underdogs over the course of his career is even better as a home underdog, we wrote about it over at, uh, at bedside for anybody looking to find that number there. Uh, interestingly enough, not our, our best bets of the week, at least for now, but let's, let's, let's start it going. I, I, I should probably reveal my, my new year's resolution. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, it's not, it's not betting related. Cause I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm have a solid system right now. And my solid system is obviously listening to our team. Uh, Cause everybody is very locked in. Uh, my, my resolution is I, I need to stop eating sweets. Like it's once COVID hit and I just found myself like in my own surroundings. I, I don't know. I don't know if you ever felt this way, but I don't know when the last time you, you, you traveled and got an airplane was, but whenever I'm in an airport, I, I, I could have eaten 30 minutes before I got there 
something kicks into my brain that tells me that I I'm starving and I need to eat at that very moment. I think it's just, I'm waiting around and there's nowhere to be. And so my brain's like, you got to do something. You can't, you know, you might be online. You might be listening to music. You, you got to go eat. Every time I get to an airport, that's always happened to me since COVID started. Like, I feel like every time I'd sit down, I'm like, Oh, I, I, can, I could use a, use a cookie or you know, there's a little bit of a frozen brownie over there. It, it's got to stop, man. Like I, I'm chasing my kids around. I, I can't be out of breath. <laughs> my wife is like, real. When when you start getting the the signal from your significant other of like, are you are you really gonna have that second brownie? <laughs> then you, you gotta you gotta get back to it. I haven't been playing as much basketball as I used to play. So that once the sweets slow down, then I'll I'll, I'll just feel so much better. And I gotta just remove that sweet tooth just directly out. Have it be like the Joe Pesci gold tooth from Home Alone, where it's just you don't know what happened to it find it on the floor somewhere and you just go ahead and move on. So that, that is my new year's resolution. If you guys want to weigh in, by the way, uh, on the chat as well, definitely would be interested to hear any new year's resolutions you guys have betting wise or not uh, heading into the new year. So let's, Quar- let's quarantine talk- got to us all, Ben, I think, sorry to cut you off. I think yeah. quarantine got to us all, man. When we, when it first started, I mean, God, it's almost two years ago, like crazy? back in March, 2020, like those first couple months when it was like fearful to leave the house, like I was like, wow, I need to do something. And so I just started going like once it was like we could like kind of go outside. It was like warmer out. Like I just started running every day, like got into a habit of it because I was like, I feel terrible about not leaving the house. I need a reason to leave the house. Like yeah. it's so crazy that like there's so many things that changed that you would never think would have changed. It's why. Well, you know, what's interesting, too, is that that was kind of the same for us. You know, we had had um, our, our first one was probably like maybe eight or nine months at the oh, time yeah. that they COVID first that maybe maybe closer to 10. So we just we got out and walked all the time, like a bunch of stroller rides and, and probably like would walk maybe like two, three miles. And it felt great. And we were in that routine as well. And then, you know, you kind of get back into the swing of things as things were starting to open up and, and then it all started to go away. So I, I like that. And I much prefer running. We have a bike at home much prefer running compared to the bike and most people would would disagree with me on that i not not a, not a fan it, it it rhymes with uh leloton I'll, I'll just go uh-huh. ahead and say that it's not <laughs> not particularly comfortable but uh the wife loves it and that's a conversation for another day all right so let's let's get into our, our pro-am for today because we got uh, a couple intriguing matchups for both the nfl calendar and also for college football I know you have your eyes set on the first game where the Alabama Crimson Tide 13-point favorites against Cincinnati. Uh, total in that game right now hovering around 57 and a half. Um, and, and you're on board with Bama. Public Pete is, is holding up here. Uh, why the love this week for Alabama in particular as far as your best bet and, and top play? And then also tell me about the game that you're looking to fade this week. Yeah, so I'll start with Alabama. I just like... Nick Saban, man, in, in college football playoff semifinals, he's 5-1. and one. He's won his last five. And in those five games, the margin of victory is 20.2 points. So I'd love that they're, you know, less than two touchdowns in this game against Cincinnati. I just – I mean, I'm happy that Cincinnati made the playoff because I, I talked about this on our best bets. Like, we need some parity in the college football playoff. The same four teams getting in every year is just – it's not enjoyable. Like you get better football that way, but it's also just not enjoyable for the fan bases. I'd assume of these other teams where it's just right. like, you know, who's going to be there. Um, so I think that's cool, but I think we're going to get a, a taste of the reason why these other teams, the UCFs of the world haven't made it into the college football playoff, because I think Alabama is going to easily win this game. You look at Cincinnati, they struggled at times against some AAC opponents. 
the SEC is a whole different class. And I know that Alabama hasn't looked good at times. They did not look good against Auburn in the Iron Bowl. But again, they played Auburn. Like we watched games where Cincinnati struggled against teams that have even looking close to the football playoff. So I think this game, it's going to come down to two things. It's going to come down to one, can Alabama replace John Mechie, John Mechie and figure out everything on the pass because they would rather throw the ball than run the ball this year. And then I also think it's going to come down to can Cincinnati establish the run? They average five and a half yards per carry, but Alabama has the second best run defense in the nation. They allow 2.6 yards per carry. I don't think Cincinnati is just going to be able to run on this Alabama defensive line. Like we're talking about, they are going to have multiple guys in the NFL next year. And so I don't see how like Nick Saban is, is just too good in these spots. He's going to be in this final. I think they win this one convincingly. And then what I'm looking uh, to fade this week, Patriots minus 15 and a half against the Jags, man. I don't know what to do with this game. I saw this line come out and I was like, I have, absolutely no idea the Patriots have not looked good the last two weeks their offense looks bad Mac Jones has really struggled to throw the ball and and kind of put anything together and yeah they're playing the Jags who are really really bad but they also looked a little bit better against granted the Jets last week I just think either side I don't know if I trust the Patriots to score enough points to cover I also don't know if I trust the Jags to score at all without James Robinson against a good Patriots defense it's a no play for me there's no way I'm touching that one yeah, it's such a large line in that game that I'm I'm right there with you, and especially like I I think if the Patriots were in the midst of their fifth or their what, seven game winning streak, we'd have a different conversation. It's like, well, mm-hmm. their defense is outstanding. Uh, Jacksonville can't move the ball. James Robinson's dealing with something. You know what what gives you any sort of confidence? But then Jacksonville's defense, on the other hand, has actually been all right. And so if they put some sort of pressure on Mac Jones, he's shown the last couple of weeks that he effective in times of pressure coming in against him. So I, I think that play makes a lot of sense just to try to figure out like it, it's, it's the right number basically. And so I'm left there with you thinking like, I, I just don't know where we get an edge. So I, I think both of those make sense. And I'm also with you on, on, on the Bama side. My play is more focused on the total. I like the first half uh, under of 29 and a half in that game, because I, I think you're going to see uh, both these teams defenses play well in the first half. And then about, uh, eventually uh, Alabama is just going to impose their will on them in the second half. So that's probably one area that I'm going with for today. Um, interesting question coming in, by the way, from, uh, from beers and bow ties, would you consider a Tampa Bay and Alabama teaser? You have the Buccaneers on the road this week, Peter, uh, 13 point favorites against the New York jets. Um, so you can get that line down to seven. Um, so I, I think to, to answer your question, at least from my end, I like making sure that if I'm going to do a teaser, I can get it past either seven or three. Uh, mm-hmm. So even though Tampa should win convincingly against the Jets, they haven't been all that good on the road this year as far as covering the spread. Um, so I, in theory, it makes sense, but I'd rather get it past that number because you never know about a backdoor. What about you? Yeah, I I try and wait and see if we can get one of one of those games, preferably to twelve and a half, and then you can move it uh, to six and a half. I don't know if that's going to happen this week. Obviously, we're we're really late in the week already, but yeah. um, I mean, in theory, it does make a lot of sense. Like the Bucks should win this game. That that's the side that can scares me more. Like I think Alabama is going to cover the thirteen. So I, obviously, if you can tease down Alabama, that's awesome. But I, I the Bucks scare me with all the injuries, man. Like their offense is just depleted like they it's antonio brown and uh, gronk didn't really do much the last few games so 
I don't I don't know what they have on that side. And obviously Levante David's out too. So it it's it sounds great, like oh Bucks at seven. Yeah, that's awesome. But you never know, especially with the Jets at home. Exactly. And again, like you're still talking about not getting it clear, those big numbers of, of seven mm-hmm. and three. So it just feels like a spot that I'd probably stay away from. As far as for my pro picks for this week, I, I, I got to give credit to our guy, uh, Ian McMillan, who normally is on with us on Thursdays. I saw him tweet this out and I was like, this is too good for me not to share. Because um, I wrote about some of these huge double digit favorites. There were four uh, favorites this week, Pete, that opened uh, of 13 or more points in the NFL. Uh, So Ian wrote that the Falcons are 0-6 straight up and against the spread this year with teams uh, are against teams with a winning record. Their point differential in those games is minus 145. The Bills are 14 and a half point favorites against Atlanta at home this week. And normally 14 and a half points, I'm staying as far away from that (laughs) humanly possible. If anything, I'm looking to take the underdog side, but one of the things that I wrote about over at Betsided was that if I had to choose one of them, it would be Buffalo because they've been the better of all the teams that are playing this year and covering the spread at home. Um, they've also have the largest margin of victory in the NFL this year. So when they win and they do it primarily against teams with losing records, when they win, they win big. So you have these two different trends that almost set up perfectly for each other. Falcons going up against a good team, the team above 500, they lose by a lot. Bills beat up on teams above 500, they win by a lot. If anything, I like those two trends to be able to set up really nicely this week. And the Bills understand what's at stake here. Even with a wide open AFC, you get a dominant victory over Atlanta. You want to be able to go through uh, and, and be able to win these next two games outright, feel good about the postseason. Normally in most spots, Peter, I feel like this would be a letdown spot for Atlanta coming off, uh, or excuse me, for um, for Buffalo, coming off a really big win against New England. But I think they understand that they want to hit the playoffs feeling really good about themselves and get some momentum moving forward. So even though it's a really big number this week, I like them to cover the 14 and a half. As for the game that I'm fading, the Jets, or not the Jets, the uh, the New York Giants, six-point underdogs against the Chicago Bears. First of all, as a Bears fan, I will tell you that there's never a scenario, no scenario possible, even against the Giants, where they should be favorites by six points (laughs) this year. These are two of the worst teams in the NFL at covering the spread. The Bears are 5-10. and That's uh, second worst in the NFL, only behind Jacksonville, who's 4-11 and at covering against the spread this year. Giants are 6-9. and Should probably be 6-10 and if not for a, a very lucky win at home where the Philadelphia Eagles decided not to show up. I, do you know the, the Spider-Man meme where yeah, just, yeah. The, the two Spider-Mans looking at each other going like, what, what is this? That the, the Giants and the Bears are the Spider-Man meme, except instead of Spider-Man, it's two opposing dumpster fires just right next to each other, just trying to say, well, who's the bigger dumpster fire? Who's the same? Who's, who's different here? They're the same team. And the difference is that the Giants have an upcoming draft pick from the Bears next year in the Justin Fields trade, which I still give Chicago credit for. That was the right decision. But I'm not touching this game. These are two atrocious teams that don't have any identity on both sides of the ball. The Bears defense is playing better, but at some point the offense needs to open things up and maybe Nick Foles did it against a Seahawks team that quit last week, but I I can't get behind this. We don't even know who's going to be starting a quarterback six points, regardless of how bad and how frustrating the New York giants are. 
it just doesn't make sense. I'm completely staying away from this game. I don't even know if I want to watch it as a Bears fan because <laughs> they've already made my eyes bleed too much over the course of the season. So I'm completely and totally staying away from that game, and I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. That was one of the other ones on the board. There's I, I like, like you said, we don't even know who's going to play quarterback for the Bears at this point in the week. Right. Like It's just like – who knows? And I mean, the Giants, I get that they're trying to try stuff and see what sticks. And they played Jake Fromm last week, who was absolutely terrible. But they they can't even move the ball. They sat Saquon Barkley like the entire second half of the game because they just don't want him to get hurt. Like they might not even show up. At this point, the Giants are probably hoping for a tie or something because it won't change where these draft picks end up. Like they, I don't think they care at all. Like if they lose, it helps their pick. If the Bears lose, it helps their pick from the Bears. Like it's just, this game is just, a, it's going to be bad. It's gonna Can be you really imagine bad. that like a, like a 10, 10 tie and, and it goes into overtime and everybody who decided <laughs> to watch that game is just like, these are three and a half hours of my life that I am never, ever going to get back. I just, if it's on red zone, fine. You can follow along, please. Please don't watch this game. You know, spend time with your your family, spend time with your loved ones, watch any other game, do anything else besides watching the Giants and the Bears just for your own health and safety heading into the new year. All Mike, right, Mike I, Glennon I versus Nick enough. Foles, Ben. What what a what a what a matchup on week 17. Oh, Mike God, Glennon Lord. versus Nick Foles. <laughs> I mean, listen, Nick Foles, Nick Foles actually didn't look terrible. Um, <laughs> he didn't. So I, I I give him some credit for that. Um, let, let's dive into best bets. I, I've been rambling long enough here. Uh, you're looking at the NBA tonight uh, for the second straight show, Peter. The Brooklyn Nets on the board for you. Tell me why. Yeah, Reed's going to be real happy about this pick. I, I got the Nets minus four tonight. I'm shocked that it's only minus four because Kevin Durant's expected to come back tonight. Um, Mark Stein reported that last night. So I'm very, very surprised where this line is. I know the Nets have been horrible against the spread as a home favorite this year, but I just, I honestly, I do not care. They are the better team. The Sixers have looked really bad the last couple um, games. They lost to the Hawks without basically everybody um, a couple days before Christmas, and then they beat the Raptors, who are extremely shorthanded. They did have Pascal Siakam back, but no Fred VanVleet, no OG Ananobi, no Scotty Barnes. They only beat them by five in their last game. So I'm I'm kind of out on this Sixers team right now without Ben Simmons. They they just don't really have enough for me on either side of the ball. They're 13th in offensive rating. They're 19th in defensive rating. They play the slowest pace in the NBA. And then you're going up against the Nets team that's 11th in off- offensive rating, 5th in defensive rating, plays the 8th fastest pace in the NBA. They've already lost to the Nets twice this year. With Durant back, even if he doesn't play his normal minutes, James Harden has looked really good. We wrote about this over at BetSided um, over the last two games. So I think this is a game If the Nets push the pace and they play the style that they want to play, which is up-tempo, score a lot of points, get Harden and KD the ball. I don't think the Sixers can keep up offensively. Tobias Harris hasn't been good enough this year, and I, I just don't think Joel Embiid can carry this team. This isn't the same Sixers team where you have a Ben Simmons who can maybe give you some defense on Harden or, or Durant. They, they don't have that anymore. So give me the Nets at this number. Yeah, I, I, I took me a while to realize just how slow the Sixers were playing this year. Dead last in the NBA in pace. And you're right. I think if Brooklyn, especially if they get some more of that depth back, and then having Durant just makes a wide, wide difference. So um, that line is going to move, I would imagine, once he gets officially cleared to come back. Um, so I, I, I like that play, and I would definitely jump on it over a win bet right now, sooner rather than mm-hmm. later, if you like the Brooklyn side. Um Normally, like I said, we we go for best bets for that night, but I'm going to cheat. I, I love Utah plus four. I, I jumped on them uh, when they were plus six and a half, even got uh, saw it uh, seven 
some places. Uh, this is not Ohio State's year, especially given everything that we've seen from them, the fact that several of these guys are out. Uh, I, I told you guys uh, before, I'll, I'll mention it here on the podcast, that a source reached out to me the day that uh, both Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson announced that they were going to be out, saying that that line was going to move when it was still at six and a half and it's jumped down two and a half points. And then also there's there's motivational factors in play here. Utah wants this game. They wanted to be there since moving from the Mountain West to the Pac-12. This is their first time playing in the Rose Bowl. Ohio State was here just a handful of years ago. This, this isn't anything special to them because they thought that they would be in contention for the college football playoff. Utah wants to be here. They're dedicating this game to sort of the, those teammates that they ended up uh, losing to, to gun violence from, from a while back. This is a special and meaningful game to them, and they're fired up to be here. Um, and as for Ohio State, certainly from a talent side, there's a discrepancy there, but it's just not anything substantial. And I think Utah is very much live in this game. I like them at four. Uh, even if the number goes all the way down to three, I still think they're worth consideration. So I have a little bit sprinkled on them on the money line. And, and then one other factor here too, Peter, they're, they're going to make it feel like it's a Utah home game. They mm -hmm. sold out their ticket allotment right away. And then the secondary market has dominated on the Utah side. I saw a quote from the Salt Lake Tribune uh, from the AD of University of Utah, basically saying he expects it to be a 70-30 crowd in favor of Utah at the Rose Bowl. So you factor all that in. It's a meaningful game for them. They're going to have the home field advantage. Ohio State's not particularly interested in being there. And then there's reports that Ryan Day might be looking for an NFL job. So all these things are in play for me. And I just feel like Utah is on the right side here. We've already seen the number move. And I think you can get on them still while they remain underdogs in this game. So I very much like Utah to cover the plus four, possibly on the money line as well. And there you go, guys. Those are our best bets for Thursday. For my guy, Peter, I am Ben. Hope all of you have a wonderful and safe new year. We will look forward to talking with you guys again next Monday with both myself, Peter, and Reed Wallach. Until then, so long, everybody. May all of your bets hit.